Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Rates and barrels. It is Tuesday, October 11th. Derek and Riper here with Eno Saris. Yes, I'm still in someone else's imaginary streamyard background house. Uh, hopefully, I don't get kicked out while recording. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see my microphone looks like a hologram and my face will disappear depending on where I put my head. It's so, better than boxes. Better than boxes gives you a pretty good indication as to how much unpacking occurred in this room yesterday. <laughs> that would be a full zero, zero unpacking occurred in this room. I will hopefully do better today with the help of four playoff games all stacked up on the schedule. But on this episode, it is our starting pitcher review from the 2022 season. We're going to look back at what we thought about starting pitching throughout draft season what kinds of strategies worked, what kinds of strategies didn't. Of course, we'll talk about some players who really surprised us both in good ways and in bad ways and set the table for an eventual series of starting pitcher previews. I like that we do pitcher week in the spring where we have three starting pitcher episodes and we have to try and cram a review into one episode. But hey, I think we can do it. I don't. Uh, this is gonna get us talking we're just a talk 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 i had one show already today and a lot of conversation even after the show so (laughs) i might run out of gas in about an hour we'll see uh coffee also ran out too so we'll see see if i can find uh, enough energy to, to go for another hour plus but what we thought last winter and spring just a quick refresher up top Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns were consistent first-round picks. They were top 10 picks in most leagues, looking back at the NFBC ADPs from that first week of April before the season began. We saw Walker Bueller sitting on the 1-2 turn, and then Brandon Woodruff and Max Scherzer as easy second-rounders. They were sort of the consensus top five, and when you look back at how this season played out for that group, there really was only one thing that went wrong, and it was Bueller having a major injury. Um, Prior to that injury, he wasn't pitching at the same level we'd seen previously, I think it's somewhat reasonable to expect that had he stayed healthy, there was still some positive regression coming, even if he wasn't quite the guy that he was back in, in 2021. There, there were some warning signs. I think you were among the people that pointed them out, and uh, he's one of those early round pitchers that I decided to just blow right past those warning signs and, and have on a few rosters. Yeah, he just didn't he didn't sit in the right places for me. Um so I can't claim that uh as a victory, but I didn't have any shares. So um I just I think that I just didn't pick there. He went around the end of the the he went like at the back end of the ter- like the beginning of the second round, right? And I just I kind of early, early middle round two usually. Yeah, and I think I either picked ahead of him or behind him, and I just never, I never got him. Um, I don't, I don't think that is, uh, that's, a, I don't think that's a miss. Every every year, someone's gonna get Tommy John. Yeah, I don't think it's bad process if you took Walker Bueller at or around his ADP last year, and I'm not saying that to cover my own <laughs> behind because again. I uh, got him in that big money auction and, and never never quite rallied to have enough pitching in that league. But if you look at where these guys finished, I think the expectation when you draft a pitcher that early is that you're at least getting a $20 pitcher and using the Fangraphs auction calculator, the most valuable starter in 2022 for a 15-team league was Justin Verlander by a pretty healthy margin too. $36 is what he returned. Um, you get a drop down to Sandy Alcantara and Julio Urias and Alec Manoa, Shohei Otani cracked the top five, but Burns was inside the top 10. Garrett Cole was lower than I expected, but I don't think he was a, a bust. I don't think he was a, 
a reason if you drafted him in the first round and you didn't cash. I don't think Garrett Cole was the reason that happened. No, not at all. You got a lot of value out of him. You got a lot of strikeouts. It's not a terrible ERA. Woodruff missed a little time with an injury, but pitched well around it, especially in the second half. So I mean, even though he came in at like $17 on the auction calculator, you did have a replacement when he missed time. So he was closer to a $20 guy when you factor in someone got to stream in that spot. So I don't think much is going to change as far as the the early, early pitching goes. I think you're still going to see four or five starters pretty consistently go in those first 25 to 30 picks. I guess the question would be, of that group, aside from Bueller being hurt, does Scherzer get bumped because of the injuries piling up a little bit more? I mean, the performance was still really good overall when we saw him on the mound this year. Yeah, I mean, still a $20 pitcher by the auction calculator. Uh, had his lowest ERA of his career. Um, so I'll go back to the trough on Max Scherzer. I just... I think that there's going to be too many young sort of mid-career guys that I'll take ahead of him to make him like, like he's not top five anymore. I don't think. But he's still probably top 10. Yeah. So it's not that much of a fall. I think if you're thinking about future ADP third round, he's going to go from round two to round three. It's not a, not a massive drop. 30% K rate. Walk rate was under 5%. Best ERA of his career, as you said, at age 38 what what is happening Mm. here well i mean i think generally there's a trend that older pitchers uh have demonstrated some trick to succeeding late in their career it's usually an elite pitch like adam wainwright or a large selection of pitches like max serzer and if it's a proven i i say trick that makes it sound like you know like like a trick pitch or something that won't work what i mean is like they've figured something out right and there doesn't necessarily need to be a reason that it will stop working. I mean, just look at Adam Wainwright himself. I, I ran at the auction calendar for 12 teams, which was uh, my mistake, but... Um, <laughs> Huge error. <laughs> well, Four people play in 12s and 15s. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, I, I think of Adam Wainwright as someone who did well this year, you know, who returned value. In 12-teamers, he was a minus dollar player, but minus minus 250 or something. So it's like... I think of him as uh, someone who still worked out. And so how many, uh, and Corey Kluber was at the same level. So if you're talking at least 15 teams, was there a, a player this year that was just too old? Uh, Rich Hill was available. It felt like every week in my leagues, even though I picked him up a few times. Minus $5 in 12 teamers. Yeah, but I mean, look, I think we've seen enough from late career Rich Hill to have a, a reasonable expectation for him as more of a, a streamer on the right, roster off the you know that's not he wasn't drafted that's on not draft a, day yeah right. that's not a surprise uh, I, yeah I think that I'm not gonna uh, innings is still a concern so I, I'll share I'll shy away from a an older pitcher because of innings concerns perhaps but not because of talent concerns so uh you know, I tried to shop Justin Verlander in a dynasty league uh, at the end of the season, and nobody really bit. And at some point, I was like, "God, this guy could could do this for three, four, five more years." You know, I'm just keep him. <laughs> so I threw this out there on the Athletic Baseball Show last week. It was the the Friday episode with Keith Law. I said Justin Verlander's range of outcomes for next year include retirement because what else does he have left to prove like if the the Astros win the World Series Justin Verlander could just go be a dad and be done and everybody would say awesome career see you in Cooperstown way to way to like win a sigh on your way out right or he could win the Cy Young again next year right that's also possible so in I have I've come to this point where I no longer doubt players because of age or whatever level of skepticism I used to have about guys either this close to 40 or eventually on the wrong side of 40, it's fading. It's much less concern than I used to I have care about because it more, we've seen changes. I care about it more with non-elite players. I care about it more with an okay player who just turned 33 and didn't have a great year. You know, don't need to jump on that train. It's just such a hard thing to clearly define at the borderline like what what makes a player well like rich hill was like, like was this? rich hill a cy young winner 
No, 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 no. Right. So, no, I think he's a good example, right? So Justin Verlander is a Cy Young winner. I care a little bit about his age, but not that much. Rich Hill had, you know, two or three pretty good seasons. You know, but your Wainwright example is the one that I think is a little trickier because Wainwright and the Velo before really he looked done for a while, and like, he, he at times this year he looked done. I mean, he got he was down to eighty seven miles an hour at the end of the season. You could not have told me after what happened from twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen that he still had something. That Adam Wainwright was coming back to to crank out three different seasons. Sub I know one was ERA. pandemic short, yeah. yeah, sub four with a good whip, high volume of K's because of the innings. The K rate did finally dip some more. He was in the low 20% range for a long time. He got to 17.8% this year. But I think a guy like that is a little bit harder to figure out because the peak was definitely better than Rich Hill and he pitched really well for a long time. But he still was a notch below a Verlander or a Scherzer when he was at his absolute best. There There was always more finesse with Wainwright than completely overpowering dominant stuff, even when he was very good. Well, okay, I'll throw in. I'll throw an asterisk in. I don't care as much about age if I know the pitching plus as well, because <laughs> 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 Wainwright still had good stuff plus built on that elite pitch. Rich Hills is is down. You know, uh, he does have an elite pitch, but the other pitches aren't as good. He doesn't have as wide a variety, uh, and his command is worse. So he, you know. Rainwright had like a 104 pitching plus this year and Rich Hill was under 100. So I do think there's a little bit of a difference there. One thing that was, uh, that you know, occurred to me was I, I just put up the auction calculator next to uh, the pitching plus for this year. Um, and this is uh, a question I have for you that's sort of larger than just the model. It's not, not the pitching plus show. Um I think we did fairly well on pitching, you know, as a group, I think we're, I think as a group, fantasy players are getting better at, 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 at pitching analysis. And so I, I think back to like when I started playing pitching, when I started playing fantasy in 2002 or so, um, I would literally wait until the 10th round to take a starting pitcher. I mean, that sounds impossible now. But I, the idea was, and, and I was pretty simple. I just looked for strikeouts and and low walks. That's literally what I did, you mm-hmm. know. And I would fill my staff with with great pitchers that maybe came off a bad year with balls in play and that sort of deal. You know what I mean? And it mm-hmm. worked. And so I still had that bias in me. And most recently, I've decided, you know what? Not only uh, I think. Uh, you know, just the investment is higher in pitching across base across fantasy baseball. So therefore, I just need to, I need to jump in the, the water. You know, like I can't just like imagine waiting until the tenth round now. That probably wouldn't go well. In fact, I think you had something. You'd be, you had a league where you did something similar. <laughs> you, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Tyler Malley, SP one. Yeah. We'll revisit that at some point. We'll talk. We, he's on the rundown today, so we'll we'll get to that. I think you're more likely to go the other direction. You're more likely to run off all pitchers to start and then find all your hitters after that, or even running off four to six starting pitchers and or we'll count the closers as part of that too, depending on what kind of league you're in, where you might just take six pitchers and then go get bats. That to me makes more sense. It's two part, which is one part is where there's just more higher investment. So you just got to jump in at some point. It's like if your auction values tell you that there is no $40 player and two $40 players go, then you better adjust all your top guys by a dollar or two and try to get a, at least a $38 player. You know what I mean? Like you got to, mm-hmm. you got to jump in there. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the second one is, I just think we're getting a little bit better at identifying good pitchers. And this is becomes a little bit more meaningful. I just, I think, remember what I'm saying uh, now, when we start to go into the next clusters, because oh yeah, you, you like in order for you to think I can get pitching late and I'll be fine, you have to look at these later clusters and be like, aha, I did that, <laughs> you know, and and now and as we do this, I'm surprised by just generally as you go down, there's fewer big names that turned around fantasy seasons. There's fewer quote unquote sleepers. 
the the quality of the pitchers generally goes down you know what i mean it's like you get what you pay for you know <laughs> to some extent so that's just a that's an overall thought i had uh when i was looking at this rundown i was thinking about pitching this year yeah because if you go past the the big 5 as they were Shane Bieber was going at the 2-3 turn. There were some slight concerns about his injury from last year that were lingering, but that's where he consistently went. Julio Urias was going in a similar range, maybe because there have always been some innings concerns, even though I think we'd finally reached the point where those were gone. It was more just a, well, will he stay healthy with year-over-year full-season workloads? That actually ended up being, I think, the, the thing that ended up being the least important. A young pitcher who had not had a ton of innings this year was a good bet. McClanahan, Urias, Cease. Look at the totals on the auction calculator in the innings column. Verlander, 175. Urias, 175. Alcantara, of course, the outlier at 228. Manoa, 196. Otani, 166. I mean, nobody pitched 200. Pitchers, I think there's three yeah, guys who one, pitched 200 this year. One? One of the top five yeah. got to 200. Two of the top ten because Corbin Burns got to two oh two, and looks like maybe well, think, a couple guys, guys got there overall. at the very end. Oh okay. Yeah, I think Nola got there. Bieber, I believe, ended up getting there. Cole got there, and Framber Valdez. But we're barely touching two hundred. So basically, you th- you think that like better pitchers get to one hundred and seventy five? Yeah, that's the sort of the new two hundred. <laughs> yeah. If better pitchers fair. get to 175 and you have a young pitcher who's thrown 125 the year before, if you can get him at a discount, you get him. Right. Like, and are you I worried about Spencer Strider's innings next year? You shouldn't be you shouldn't be relative to the, the pool because it's not going to be that far below the top options. That's right. That's what I think. And I think he'll he'll have such an excellent strikeout rate that he'll strike out more. Like he could strike out 20 more than Sandy Alcantara <laughs> in like 30 fewer innings. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's the gift. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this group uh, doesn't look as good as the top five. You know, we're already a step down. We, But we, we mostly still got, pr- we were pretty good at, all those guys are pretty good except for Giolito, who, by the way, Pitching Plus didn't like, so. Right. Giolito disappointed. Wheeler ended up being fine. There were concerns about his shoulder. Those ended up being kind of a non-issue. Nola was great. Sandy Alcantara was great. Robbie Ray was good. Freddie Peralta got hurt. That's your one, that's your one hurt guy. You know, every cluster yep. has a hurt guy. Uh, Robbie Ray is interesting. Uh, so when I did do this thing where I put together a spreadsheet where I, I you know, I have the uh, I have it sorted by pitching plus, and then I have the auction value after it. There's a, there are very few, but there are some uh, guys who have negative values that have high pitching plus values. Nathan Eovaldi and Hunter Green uh, jump out at me. Uh, Jacob Junis, uh, Jose Barrios, Trevor Rogers. You know, Tyler Wells. Okay, so. Th- that's that's a decent amount. Like I just I went down to that's the top forty in pitching plus, and I had uh, four misses. Right, still pretty good. It's actually on the other end that pitching plus does really well. There are very very few at the bottom that have positive auction values. I can I can do so. Like starting at 240, like I have 240 pitchers, right? And I'm going upwards from 240 with 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 pitching plus, right? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm at 200, so I haven't I haven't hit a, a positive value yet. I'm at uh, okay, I got to 195, so about 50 pitchers in. Jose Quintana. All right, well, is anybody like really mad at me about that one? <laughs> Did anybody else think Quintana was going to be amazing going into the season? And it's all command, like it's not stuff. Um, so anyway, we keep going, we keep going, uh, we keep going. One seventy-seven, Cal Quantrill. Now that's a really like sort of top line one that everybody knows. Everybody knows the pitching plus missed on Cal Quantrill, but we are seventy-five pitchers in, right? And we've got two guys. I'm gonna keep going. Eric Lauer, one sixty-four. So we got three. Like we're getting close to hundred pitchers. Okay, 100 pitchers in, we got Jesus Lazardo. So, four pitchers in the bottom 100 return positive value. 
four. And I think no matter what your model, how, however good your model is, there are always going to be four pitchers in your top 100 or your bottom 100 that just have a year. Yeah, I think the Quantrill and guys like that, I mean, Martin Perez kind of fits into that group oh, for yeah. me where Maybe it's I like, him. you can't, you can't beat yourself up when a, a pitcher like that comes out and instead of pushing the four ERA and the 125 whip, they push a, a low threes ERA and a 120 whip. There's some good fortune that happens and it's just, it's part of the game. That's not a go chase those guys next year. Veteran pitchers that change their mix a little bit. Like, you know, maybe I could adjust next year. And if I see a guy who's a veteran who has multiple pitches, who's just adjusted something little, then I could. But I still don't want to go heavy on fab. Like, you know, maybe next year, the next Jose Quintana, I put $2 on instead of one in fab. Like, it's literally, that's like, that's the adjustment I, I hope to make. I don't know. Cal Quantrill, I don't want to overlearn from. I want to see what he does next year. Yeah, I think you can afford to miss on guys like that and still have a lot of success. So I, I wouldn't sweat having a handful of guys Robbie that Ray, beat your expectations there. However, is on the top end. That's the that's the biggest miss where we were low on. Where the stuff or the pitching plus pitching number plus was, was very low. good, but the amount returned no, was poor. Robbie, for Robbie Ray, is the other way. Robbie Ray is the guy who outperformed his pitching plus the most on the top end. You know, like... That, that everybody was buying as a top pitcher and Pitching Plus said, I don't buy it. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, 371 ERA, 119 whip, 212 strikeouts, and 189 innings. It looks, looks like a very good season, but I'm surprised the stuff was down that much. I think the adjustment there is easy. If a guy has been doing it, like this Shane Bieber adjustment, if the guy has been doing it really for a long time and has a really great strikeout minus walk rate, uh, and has a good strikeout minus walk rate in season and had a good strikeout minus walk rate the last three seasons, then why are we looking at a stuff plus number too hard? You know what I mean? We're talking about innings and innings and innings. Stuff plus shines in the first 50 innings of a pitcher's career. <laughs> like, Let's not use it too hard for Robbie Ray. So we're working on, uh, I do have some news on that front that uh, looks like we have a partner uh, for creating pitching projections using using pitching plus. So that should help us with the Robbie Rays and Shane Beavers, right? Because they got a long track record. Then you can use your traditional pitching metrics in your pitching projections uh, to, to gain knowledge about the pitcher. And you don't push Robbie Ray down too far. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's check this out. There is a good bit of value in what I'll call the SP2 range. We're talking about pick 60 to 75. That was Max Freed, Logan Webb, Justin Verlander, who turned out to be the best pitcher on the board, Joe Musgrove, Kevin Gossman, and Dylan Cease. So if you played the... I think you can, I going, think you can expand it to the next one, you know, with Alec yeah, Manoa, I Carlos think, Radon, Hugh Darvish in there. Yeah, Trevor Rogers and Charlie Morton. I mean, Rogers was the biggest bust of the bunch. Morton kind of Up fixed it down. a little bit in the second half. And Montas was pitching well before the trade and before But 60 to 90 is a good place to go shopping, man. I think it I think it still is. You get one guy up top and then then get a yeah, get one guy up to one pitcher out of the top 10 and then get somebody, you know, around 80. That group of pitchers this year is a strong argument in favor of avoiding the pocket aces. 
because you could get one ace that you believed in. If you thought that that top five range was really safe, you were, I think, generally right. So you could get one up in round one or round two, take a break from pitching for a little while, and then come back in five or six, and you'll be just fine. You could end up with pocket aces. I mean, Shane McClanahan at pick 100 kind of points back to what you were talking about with Spencer Strider. I think the reason yeah. Shane McClanahan was available there was because there were concerns about his innings. Strider's going to go for more than McClanahan. Guaranteed. There there will there will not be a pick 100 ADP. Especially because McClanahan sees just happened. You know, there's going to be some effect from that. Yeah, we're going to see people chasing that a little bit. So I, I understand that that's part of how the pool but reacts But who, could, who could go there next year? You know, we're going to do previews. But who could go there next year? Do you think Gallon still goes in that area? Or is he to graduate from that? Um, Gallon I, Gallon's going to be up, I bet. Because Gallon went in the early part of round four of the draft I'm doing with Zola right now. Pick 51 for Gallon. Okay. Uh, Christian Javier? Javier, okay. I, I do think Christian Javier makes some sense as a player that could probably go in the pick 100 range because he didn't do it for a full season as a starter, right? So the workload's a little bit lighter. Yeah. And just like just like um like Spencer Strider had being the season, not that we were looking at Strider this way, the role being a little bit uncertain, that's still there. Like people are still going to look at Christian Javier and say, are the Astros fully committed to him? Largely a two-pitch pitcher, but he's not, you know, a two-pitch pitcher like Strider, you know, like it's you know, it's a little bit more conventional. Yeah, 148 and two-thirds in the regular season for Christian Javier. So, I mean, not to put the, the preview in the review, but are you drafting Javier if he's sitting in that pick 100 range based on what you yeah. know about him? Yeah, I like him there. I, I'm, I'm actually trying to pick the hits that might be available there. I think Hunter Green would be an interesting one. Uh, that might be a little bit early on him, uh, but... Uh, you know, if uh, you know it, it, he he's a surging you know stuff plus loves him Dylan Cease type to me. Um, I wish he'd had a little bit more track record. Dylan Cease showed us a little bit more before he jumped into that group. Um, I don't know. Do you think Logan Webb falls down into that group? Yep, Nick Lodolo is in that range. Yeah, right around pick one hundred from this draft that I'm in right now. Kirby's a little bit in that range. Kirby's, a, yeah, Kirby is. That would be an interesting one. I like, I like those names. The guys that are it seems on the a rise, little bit. Yeah. It seems a little. I think you know there is a little part of my, there's a little bit of a, a nervous feeling in my lower back. You know when you're like, ooh, that's going to be your second starting pitcher is going to be like Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo. You know what I mean? Where it's like, wouldn't you want somebody with more of a track record? But I, I think that the whole point of these metrics that we're coming out with this is to move faster and pick somebody like that instead of, you know, I think the boring number twos that might be traps. Like who's a boring number two that might be a trap? Uh, it would have been Lance Barrios? Lynn when healthy last year. Jose Barrios was brutal. You know, like who's who's the next, you know, Barrios that's like, you know, Montas, like, is he going to drop down into that? And what's, and what's, uh, you know, how do you feel about that shoulder injury? You know, like who's another, uh, Tristan McKenzie. Do you think he'll be there? I think he, he's an all right, you know, pick, but. Yep. McKenzie will go probably in that 90 to 105 range. That's where he went in this draft. I'm trying to find a trap for you. Hold on. It was a trap for you. I think Morton might be a trap he's... for you there. I mean, it, it is. He is aging. Mike Clevenger, if somebody like thinks he's, he's a number like, two, no. you think anyone thinks no, he's a number no. two? I don't think so. The K rate was pretty low this year, right? Relative to the previous norm. Miles Michaelis? Merrill Kelly? Merrill Kelly. I think Miles Michaelis and Merrill Kelly are would both be kind of trappish there. Because people would say, oh, they had such great seasons. They're, you know, they're good veterans, blah, blah, blah. But their stuff plus isn't great and they're they're command guys. So I think a little something could go wrong and they're just not as good as they were. Chris Bassett, someone you'd be worried yeah, about in that I range? Think, yeah, I think, I'd, I think I would rather go for like Green Lodolo types than, than Michaelis, Kelly. Bassett's a little bit better than that, but I think, I think um, especially with your number two, I think that the, there's a lot of like, oh, I should do the safe thing uh, still. And I think there's, I think there's an illusion of safety. 
mm-hmm. and I think the the top, you know, ten or so, there's more safety, and then you know, I think that safetyness really just drops off. So I'm building a team with Todd Zola right now that is waiting on pitching relative to the room. Some of those teams we were talking about, Hunter Green went the first pick around nine. That was the fifth pitcher drafted by that team in the first position. That's a really Jeez, good player in that spot. Wow. Four starters, one closer on that team. Nick Lodolo, who I mentioned before, at the beginning of round eight, Same was team. the no. different no, okay. other end of the draft, team 15, another good player. Four, six, six pitchers drafted. Is this, is Lodolo keeper, is a four not starter. A it's a one-year. Not a keeper. Okay. Just an NFBC satellite league. We'll have moves. We'll have pickups uh-huh. and all that stuff. So... Um, you know, it's not not a DC, just a typical. So you're waiting early relative to the room with your staff. So Zola and I had the fourth pick. We took Trey Turner in the first because we were surprised he was there. Shane McClanahan was our first pitcher in round two. Okay. Then we went Trout, Cedric Mullins, Will Smith to get a good early catcher. Uh-huh. Devin Williams is our first closer late in round six. Uh-huh. Wander in the seventh. Luis Severino in the eighth for our SP two. There you go. Back to bats with Jose Abreu in the ninth. And then three pitchers, David Bednar, Luis Garcia, and John Gray clustered up 10 through 12. There you go. So two closers we like. I think Severino's an SP2 with an up arrow. It's just a question of innings and health. Mm-hmm. And then Garcia and Gray are kind of just those high-volume guys that are steady, that you hope just come through for 180 innings. And mm-hmm. in Gray's case, maybe you're taking a little bit of risk. But that's what waiting on pitching, at least to some degree looked like in this particular room. This is full of, but you still got a Tom, very pitcher, good players. You know, so yeah, yeah, we got, we got one for sure. And possibly another Severino has the ceiling of a top 10 pitcher. Just don't know if he has the durability of one. Yeah, it can be done, but that's what it looks like early. And you take more shots late. You know, we took a shot on Ashby and Evaldi and Ronzi Contreras. And we'll take a few shots in reserves and, that league will have fab before the season starts and a million things will happen between now and then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that might be a team that has to stream a lot of pitching, but it might be in a position where the hitting is elite. So I'm trying to avoid streaming this year. I think I'm going to build teams both ways again. Yeah. I think some of these other builds that went more pitching heavy, I, I do feel slightly better about them than what we're doing overall, even though I like how we're doing this. Mm-hmm. I think if you gave me another team against the same people, I might get a completely different combination of players just to try the other routes. I think you could win both ways. Yeah, yeah. But I, streaming, uh, what I found, especially in the NFBC, was that there's so many people focusing on streaming uh, that it becomes more expensive. And then on top of that, uh, if you actually look at the player uh, pool, in any given week, I thought that the pitchers that were one-start pitchers in the pool were more attractive than the two-star pitchers because we're always mm. chasing the two-star pitchers. And I think I could have just done a better job of just picking the one-star pitcher and pitching him two weeks later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. So uh, I, I want to focus a little bit more on uh, talent. Um, I want to invest a little bit more in talent and I want to have a, a deep a bench with that's more mostly pitchers. So here's a, a counterintuitive sort of thought, or at least a question: Is with pitchers, are you more comfortable taking the injury discount now than you used to be? Because there was Bieber up at the two-three turn, there was Wheeler up early, there were more later on. Verlander coming off Tommy John, I think, would qualify. Uh, Carlos Rodon stayed healthy, I would say, relatively speaking, for this season. That's a good outcome for him, innings-wise. You look at the discount people were getting on Kershaw for the early part of draft season. He settled into the pick 120 range once we got to April, but that was after a healthy spring and a lot more information. If you were drafting early winter, late fall last year, Kershaw was a major question mark. And so if you're willing to take a chance on injured pitchers, it might actually pay off. It might pay off more often than not. I mean, Luis Castillo was the guy who was hurt during draft season who fell a lot. He went down to Snell, pick 150. Snell is always, quote-unquote, quote-unquote, always hurt. Right? And yet, he's not? <laughs> we, our perception of the amount of time Snell misses might be a little bit off from the amount of time he actually misses. Yeah, uh, we're going to backtest uh, Jeff Zimmerman's um, you know, injury list 
projections that we made and 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 get a sense of how far off we were so some of this is just an anecdotal look at it but you know i do remember that a an executive once told me that the the first thing he learned when he got into baseball was the pitchers are always hurt so maybe uh we see the outward manifestations of that uh, the, that pain when we see uh ILs and so we think oh that that guy's hurt because he's been on the IL and this guy's not hurt because he wasn't on the IL and then maybe that's where we're wrong maybe they're all hurt they're all hurt to varying degrees i mean that's that's fair it's um, a very demanding thing to do to your arm so I think Morton's first half, at least, he you know he was kind of saying to me that that was related to his foot injury because uh, he said at some point Kyle Wright told him to uh, focus uh, more on being in his back leg, and he realized that was the leg that had been broken, and that mm. you know maybe he'd been favoring it or babying it without really thinking about it. And Jacob Junis. You know, he hurt his hamstring uh, during the season, and when he came back, he thought everything was fine. He didn't, he didn't feel any pain in the hamstring, but he told me that once they looked at his numbers, he realized that he wasn't finishing his pitches, and he wasn't landing on that front hamstring the same way. He wasn't getting out on it. He wasn't trusting it as much, um, and so he had to make a, an adjustment to be like, no, you have to, you had to sort of emphasize that hamstring to kind of, to trust it to, to, to get where he used to be. So, there injuries are affecting some of the misses that we're getting high and low too, because pitchers are pitching through this sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's affecting the way they're pitching. So Morton pitched, right? He pitched. So you could say, yeah, I don't care about injury risk. Look at Morton. He pitched, but he was affected by injury. He was worse because of it. What does that mean for next year? Is he a good pick again? I think what's going to happen is Morton's going to get a very steep discount relative to the stuff that he still has, and he's going to end up being a good undervalued SB4. guy to draft as your sixth Fifth. starting pitcher, then pitches like a three or a four. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would expect a pretty big drop for him. It was a weird group, though, kind of outside the top 100, because that's where Luis Garcia, Tyler Malley, Roto Rodriguez, Framber Valdez, Logan. Yeah, but Gilbert. now the wins are lesser. Like I, I think back when I back when I used to wait till that time to pick my roster, I used to get aces. Are you getting aces? Like Pablo Lopez is the closest. It's a but he really fell off twos too. there. Yeah, I think it's mostly twos. You know, twos and threes for the hits and a few big misses sprinkled in. Yeah, I think the. After pick 150, got a little sloppier than I expected. Sometimes I feel like I get a lot of value in that range. When Lance Lynn was going there, he was already hurt. And I don't think he was quite the same guy when he first came back. Looked a little and better you can late even in the count, year. It's funny to think, look back on a season and be like Lance Lynn and, and assign a value to him. Because that's a free agency pickup. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not... Right, up, yeah, yeah, long way. Nobody who drafted caught, him know. probably ended up with him. So you can't be like, oh assign that value to him for the season it's more like oh that was a good you know fab pickup i think of this this group you know you've got lynn ian anderson was a pretty big bust for a lot of people Tarek scuba was good before he got hurt zach gallon was the clear smash pick of this range if you you got gallon here you did exceptionally well severino's innings were great when he was out there just had that lengthy il stint in the second half and then it was a lot of Mostly mediocre. Ranger Suarez kind of okay in the second half, rough first half. I think Patrick Sandoval was solid. I think people think Sandoval was better than he was, though. What what yeah, what auction value do you have on that? Oh, I'm guessing it's like three to five bucks. It's not because he had a really big. high whip, uh, whip, and of kind of a lowish strikeout rate. Like in twelve teamers, Patrick Sandoval was a replacement pitcher. Says the auction. Yeah, in, in a fifteen teamer, yeah, he was three three seventy. So probably about pitcher 65. Pitcher 65 and you're getting him after the 150th pitch. I mean, that's, yeah, solid. If, if solid means you got what you paid for, like, yeah, okay. You did okay. Didn't hurt you. Didn't get cut. Was, wasn't a bust. Yeah. <laughs> Returned positive value. But the only real like, oh, you did well is like Zach Allen, Luis Severino, I guess. Yeah, I, I think Scooble 
I'd count yeah, Scoobo as part of that group too. Yeah. He was fine when he was out there. Yeah, he's pretty so good. I, I don't I don't know if that means like avoid that group in the future or if that was just a bit of an outlier or if it speaks to what you were saying earlier where the group collectively, the rooms are just getting a, a bit smarter and the guys that used to go in the 150 to 200 range are mostly getting pushed up 50 to yeah. 75 picks and and they're just they're more accurately assessed are are we are we steeping ourselves in recency bias or is this actually no, I a think it's legitimate step forward. I think it also makes sense. You have to test whatever your theory is against things outside of the model and, and against like just common sense. So would it make sense that we're getting better uh, assessing pitching? I think it does. We now more have tools. We have more and we have also more technology than we ever had. Hawkeye is like directly looking at the spin on the ball. We've we're three years into that, you know, Trackman gave us spin rates and movement in a, in a way we hadn't gotten before. We're, we're like eight years into that. So, like, of course, we're going to get better. We got a lot better at, at, at knowing how good pitchers were when we just had pitch FX. So um, I, I think that's sort of sort of outside information that helps the anecdotal make a little more sense. And I think, you know, basically, I don't want to shop that much in there. Like, it, 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 if this is the group, I want this to be like where I'm shopping for like an SP5 almost. You know what I mean? If if it's going to be maybe you get a guy who's above replacement and if you're really lucky you get a really good pitcher and most of the rest of the pitchers you're going to drop. I mean that's that's that seems weird. And pick 150 if I told you that. If I was if I came in the draft room and told you at pick 150 right before you're about to pick that pitcher, "Hey, uh so about 50% likely you, you cut this guy." in a month uh another 25 percent likely he's eh you know and then maybe you know five to ten percent likely you just got the picture you think you're getting because it's right because at 150 you're like ooh, ian anderson fell to us <laughs> right especially in a 12 teamer i think i think your your breakdown for a 12 teamer is is spot on because those those margins are are so tough deciding who to wait it out with and who you have to cut. And you'd have been better off cutting a few of these guys sooner than most people probably did self included. Yeah. So just be realistic about the value of picking a pitcher in the one fifties and then, um, maybe invest a little bit higher up so that, you know, I bet you, uh, could you switch over real quick to, uh, hitters in the one fifty range? I can if you can uh, play a little ditty. I bet that would you. Be great. I bet you might. I mean, what I'm doing is I I think the hitters here are probably better bets. I mean, you are going to get some that are hurt or some that were blah, but like, you know, 150. I I'm hoping to get a starting guy that's going to slot in my starting lineup. Well, let's see who we have. It is loading. I am scrolling, and we are in that range. So. Uh, Akil Badu, nope. Oops. Jared Kelnick, nope. Oops. Uh, Glaber Torres, yep. Mm. Matt Chapman, yep. Marcelo Zuna, mm. no. Ty France, I think would be a yeah. Yon Mancada, no. Dylan Carlson, mm. no. Brendan Rogers, no. Mm. Yeah. Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro was a hit. Rogers, in that range for sure. Rogers, no. Rogers, Rogers is the Patrick Sandoval of. <laughs> so he returned you. Like positive value. <laughs> you probably didn't cut him. You probably looked at him and said, "Ah, yeah, he's got half his games in Colorado. <laughs> with Patrick, uh, half of half these starts are going to be good starts against weak teams in the division. So I'll keep Patrick Sandoval. So I, I think Patrick Sandoval and Brendan Rodgers are, you know, friends in the, the fantasy universe. <laughs> uh, let's see, Brian Hayes because of the bags. I think ended up being fine where you took him. Uh, Austin Meadows. I mean, just a lost season for him for all sorts of reasons so no need to to pile on him or anything josh donaldson was a bust nelson cruz was a bust adelise garcia big hit adelise garcia at 170 that's going to come up probably on the outfield uh, that's your you. zach gallon so there's your zach gallon there's your there's your crush it, there's your exactly whoa hey same? look at this is it exactly the same it's close because you're talking 2020 and that's a no 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 i mean outfielder. is the pool of hitters returning about the same value as the pool of pitchers I, th- I think it's pretty close in this range. It's close. Yeah. Avi Garcia, big bust. Verdugo was a slight letdown. Probably didn't hurt you. Joey Gallo, that was a bust, right? I mean, no one's happy with that. Yeah, there's, there's more. There was more hit or bust than I expected. I'll be honest. Yeah, this was a a pretty, pretty 
chunky part of the the draft board. Both 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 sides. It's like you think you're getting more value at 115. You're you're hoping for a lot there, and you know you're probably getting less on average than less than you expect. Yeah. Would it is it then better to maybe go for high floor there? Does is that a, yeah, would that a make player us, type you should get that? Yeah. Is that does that make us better off if we're going for high floor there? I think of Zimmerman I mean, I, being like draft plate appearances and innings pitched. Like if you did that, Donaldson, Cruz, Avi, Avi Garcia, those guys are all your oatmeal guys. But that they, you'd say they probably returned a, a couple of dollars value. What if you did it on the pitching side? Let me look. Let me look at the rundown. So the oatmeal pitchers there. Adam Wainwright Lynn, would have been an oatmeal pitcher. Lynn Oatmeal, Ranger Oatmeal, Marcus Stroman, Sandoval would have been oatmeal. Stroman was oatmeal. I think it might be a good time to go oatmeal, actually. Or, counterpoint, I guess this changed in, in the later part of draft season, but remember when Julio Rodriguez yeah. was going in that <laughs> yeah, range? Sure, sure, he, sure. He, end, he ended up shooting into the like, so near top 100. don't take 100. Jared Kellink there. Take Julio Rodriguez. Take like a, if you if there's like a top take five good type. player. No, I know, I know. But also, if there's a top five prospect that like gets down there, then then, yeah, sure, maybe go for it. But, you know... I think that we take shots there. We think I'm going to get my guy, you know, and maybe you get Zach Gallon, and, you know, maybe you get, uh, I forget what the, the high, what was the high end batting name that you, that you said? Adelis Garcia. Adelis Garcia. Maybe you get that those was... guys there, but I, I, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, I think it's really interesting that, um, how bad the return is there already. For everybody yeah spencer torkelson elite prospect in that range mm. nope didn't happen mm. i managed to i took spencer torkelson as my shot in the dark in our listener league uh the brit listener league and i did manage <laughs> i did manage to win that one nicely done i think it, a, a i think nice it, battle for it you. actually makes sense because it was a 10 team league so it's like i don't you know torkelson was on my roster for like a month Easy drop if it doesn't work out. Yeah. I think this this will need further detailed study to know for sure if there's a, a clear player type you should be targeting in this mm -hmm. range, but I don't know. I, I think the, the takeaway for me is that I always expect to come away with a really good player there, and I don't think I come away with as many good players in that pick 150 to 200 range as I like to believe. That's the, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to say. And I did go shopping in that in that range. I didn't get a lot of Severino there. I got a, a fair amount of Gallon, um, and Marcus Stroman were my most common from that group. I, don't know. I liked Stroman too because of the park. I just thought every home start was going to be safe and a good number of road ones for sure. I thought he'd be a seventy-five to eighty percent in my lineup sort of guy with room for more. He ended up being a little bit less than that. Like I didn't start him every week. He was healthy, and you know he was unhealthy. I think he ended up dropping him and then maybe picking him back up again. So yeah, it was uh, it was not the easiest season uh, to to roster him, but still a decent pitcher. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Going beyond the top 200 just leads me to more names that I'm disappointed like in. How ba- Look how, how idiotic we were. Yeah, it. I mean, go, if you want to really feel dumb, look at an ADP report from more than one season ago it's amazing how fast the player pool actually changes you can know that and yet still go into a season thinking you have it all figured out and then you're quickly humbled and reminded that you know you do not have it all figured out well i do i want to do this now how far back are you gonna go uh let's see here no no i just i won't want to even do it for last year uh, let's, we don't want 22 true drafts in there. We want to finish it in March. All right. So all drafts, not actually, I don't know. Should I do main event only main event? Yeah, you can do that. I mean, that's a, a group of sharp rooms. All right. So pitchers, main event, um, and average ADP over 200. You're saying, yep. John Gray, Alex Cobb, Anna Wainwright. Whew. Hey, I'm in. Joe Ryan, Noah Syndergaard, Jose Urquidy. Love it. Um, Means over. Now it starts to really fall apart. Shane Boz, Lizardo, Ashby. I'm still into it. Ashby's one of those guys that I had a few places, had high expectations for. I'm buying them again next year. (laughs) I'm I'm still in, but I I didn't get a good return with that pick. Yeah. I got a bunch of Drew Rasmussen's down here. I'm still into this, man. I, I think I think the play might be uh, take a break from 150 to 200. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it really might be to take hitters then. I mean, you miss out think- on Lance McCullers. You know, you miss out on Tyler Anderson. Dude, I think you start shopping again around 200. Anyway. <laughs> it gets really bad again after 250. <laughs> 225 even. Garrett Richards, Kyle Muller, Max Meyer, you had to wait forever on. You probably didn't. Yeah, that was probably gone after a week or two. George Cooper, Kirby at 243. You never, never, you weren't holding on to that until you got him, so... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this stuff moves fast, and uh, you know we've we've got better we've got better tools. Um, I still think I I'm gonna try to push up. I'm gonna try to push up out of 150 and and down out of 150. You know what I mean? Get more starters before 150, and 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 then maybe take a little break. Take some. Yeah, there were some pretty. Pretty good pitchers that cracked twenty dollars in the league uh, format we were describing earlier that were like two seventy five and later. I mean, Tony Gonsolin was. Well, now you're talking FAB, real right? late. Yeah, yeah, either a late pick or early fab. Christian Javier, who we talked about earlier a little bit. Tyler Anderson, I think, was pretty affordable in most leagues. Spencer Strider ended up being mm. really good. And I, I started to think about this: like who, who could be Spencer Strider for next season? There might not be one. That that's always we do this every year. Last mm. year, who's the next Cedric Mullins? Like you, you try to take the the breakout player and find a pattern and and follow it and and do it again. 
And Kyle Wright ended up being a really nice undrafted player that finished 26th in pitcher dollar value. So that was a heck of a pickup if you got him in the early part of the season. And it can't be somebody like Hunter Green because that doesn't count. Spencer Strider had 19 innings. No, we're talking about guys, and Kyle Wright was an up-and-down guy that we had zero expectation for realistically going into the season. Until spring training, at least, there was little reason to believe that he was going to be an impact guy for mixed leagues this year. Uh, I, I don't think we get another Cedric Strider, but my closest, uh, the two names that I want to put forth are Luis Ortiz and Hayden Wesnensky. Mm. Because not only, Luis Ortiz, the stuff is outstanding. The command is not. Hayden Wesnensky is above the, above the board all the way through. It's a little bit of a elite pitch and maybe good enough other stuff, but he's got an elite sweeper. So if you like sweepers, you like Wesnensky. Wesnensky. Um, so those are those are my two names. If you you want to look for the next Spencer Strider, I landed on one of the Diamondbacks prospects, Ryan Nelson. I like Ryan Nelson. Yeah, but it was a guy that didn't debut this year. Brandon Fott. I oh. think he's sneaky productive in terms of the strikeouts. Look at what he did. At double A and triple A this year. PF oh, yeah, that guy. AADT, Brandon Fott, fifth rounder in 2020. How about 218 strikeouts Jeez. in 167 innings between double A and triple A? Strike rates all over 16%. Big string, swinging strike rates. A lot of innings. So you're not, you're not even worried about innings next year. For a guy that threw that many, he's fine. He could be used like any other starter. Didn't debut, so he's not going to get as much attention as Jamison and Nelson probably will as late darts, at least early on. I mean, why not? And, oh, hey, look, the success they had with Gallon, I mean, there was a lot to like about Gallon going back even a couple of years. Brent Strom being the pitching coach there, a couple of the young guys coming up and looking good this year. I think it's an organization that we're kind of inching toward trusting a little bit when it comes to bringing these guys up. Plus, as has been noted on a few pods recently, Amarillo, the AA affiliate, and Reno are both extreme hitter environments. So you could take that 453 ERA and that 125 whip mm. at AA, and you can just keep on walking. It doesn't bother yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's relevant to the Dre Jameson situation, right? I'm not worried about the ratios of those. I'm looking purely at the skills for Diamondbacks pitchers at AA and AAA, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it, the, yeah, I would say with Fott, it's like, is he a two pitch guy? You know, uh, because that home run rate is high. Fott's not even in the NFBC draft room right now, so you've got to use a placeholder. <laughs> Might make him even more sneaky if you're doing the early draft. Yeah, may have to use the placeholder and take him before this Harper podcast just comes out. Bunted against Max Fried. What? Hmm. How'd that turn out? Uh, looks like he's out at first. Oh, <laughs> oh! They're reviewing it, I think, because he's throw off the bag. Uh, relevant news uh, to our what we're doing here. Uh, Max Fried uh, was down in velo. Uh, only four pitchers lost more velo over the course of the season. Um, and uh, oh, Cassiano's big double, and he's down again. And his max velo did not go down as much as his sitting velo. But he's throwing. He's sitting ninety three four today, uh, hmm. so that seems a little bit relevant to a uh, little bit relevant. Not a lot relevant, but a little bit relevant to where you want to put Max Reed next year in your drafts. I want to throw one more name out there. I don't know if he's the next Strider, but I think people would be curious to know what we make of his twenty twenty two. How about D L Hall? He debuted mm. in the model. I think. I compared him to maybe a left-handed Matt Brash. Where yes, awful loads of stuff command. and highly oh, questionable here, command. Ninety-nine point five location plus. That gives you a glimmer of hope that Brash never got there. What's Brash's on the year? Brash's on the year is ninety-four-four. Mm-hmm. So right in that sweet spot could be awesome stuff. I mean. So you're you're taking flyers on DL Hall in the twenty fifth ish round and later, right? Like that's, oh yeah, that's not a, a pick wasted, is it? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I like him as a draft and hold guy. I mean, he's going to pitch in the major leagues. And worst case scenario, he's like setup guy, and then maybe Bautista gets hurt, and all of a sudden he's closing. I mean, he has obviously closer stuff. He even got a save this year. I do think D.L. Hall has actual innings risk. We were talking earlier in the show about people overlooking you know, Shane McClanahan just a little bit because of his past injury history paired with the number of innings he threw last year. Hall was a, a level below 2021 McClanahan workload-wise. We're talking 90, 94 innings. Oh, I didn't do the altogether. major ones. Yeah, yeah. 98, yeah, actually, 98. all the way down to some... Re- so, I mean... I think he tops out at like 130 or something. Yeah, something in that range, which, again, not a big problem, if he especially did in get leagues you 130 with, with an amazing striker. If he does get to 130, it's good, right? That means he's in the major leagues for most of the year and has a great strikeout rate and probably gave you a lot of value. Oh, that's actually, um, you know, Spencer Strider, 131 and two-thirds innings, so... <sighs> With like that's, a, but again, what, a 13, that's a dream 14 K scenario. Nine? Yeah, no, that's the best case scenario. That's pie in the sky dreaming scenario. But just in terms of really good per inning numbers, stuff. and we didn't see it in terms of ratios, off the charts, good stuff. I think DL Hall's a little buried right now and might end up being a good late flyer. Well, if Phillies put a four spot up on uh, on Max Freed, that's uh, that's different. A coward. Taking the Phillies. <laughs> so disappointed in myself. <laughs> I had the confidence to do it for one series and then abandoned it. Well, at least you got him here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I, yes, in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I could be right there, but on the official record, wrong. Yeah. Oh, like you could be even more of a coward like I was, where. On the on the on the show, I picked the Cardinals, but in my daily picks, if anybody was paying attention, I I picked the Phillies in both games. And that is why he is the king of waffles. That maneuver <laughs> right there. That's the, the, the shady stock tip trick, right? Where they, they mail out they mail out. Oh yeah, Two I picked it here and, and I panned it there. Just, right, and you, you just gotta, you know, for the handful of people that where you got it right five in a row, they think you're brilliant because you were just sending every combination. Out in my there. defense, what I'm doing with the picks this year is I'm not looking at the numbers as much because I tried. I had a system last year and I was last. So this year I'm just sort of, you know, looking at the starting pitcher, what I think, and picking. I think you should have given the system more time. <laughs> not because of your gut or not being able to. Like, you'll probably still come to similar conclusions to what the system was spitting out anyway. Yeah. But you were you were quick to abandon that system. Yes, I was. Because it's the playoffs, man. Chaos. Best kind. <laughs> Best kind of chaos. The natural breaking point is here. A lot of interesting pitchers that popped over the course of the year that were available late and they weren't easy to see coming. I'm trying to learn as much as I can from Gonsolin and Nestor Cortez and even Tyler Anderson. Pounce on them quick in FAB, but don't 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 make your draft model about them, I don't think. No, I I think the the lesson the lesson with Tyler Anderson is probably to follow a smart team when they when they fill out a rotation with someone like that and this is something we've been doing for a while. I think it's okay to be on board with them. Andrew Heaney is a good example of it too. The perning numbers from Heaney were great. And look at the depth charts. You know, like be like, oh, this is the Dodgers' fifth starter. Yeah, I'll, I'll take him. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like Giants' fifth starter. Right? Take him. Yeah, it, admittedly a little bit of a, a Captain Obvious uh, nudge as we go out the door, but I, that that's... Don't ignore team context. Smart teams are taking chances on players for a reason. We should try and understand what those reasons are, but and also, even if we don't, you know, take more educated guesses with these late. Sometimes picks. opportunity means as much as 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 uh, quality. Yeah, I'm with you there. I I just kind of wrote off Gonsolin because of what happened to him last. We saw him in the postseason, and I didn't know if he'd come all the way back from that shoulder injury. And too much about what he might not do versus what he could do. Thought too much about the downside, not enough about the possibility of some things going right for him. So. That, to me, is the lesson with Gonsolin 
in particular. With, with Cal Quantrill, I'm not seeing we're we are running an experimental version of the model with a couple improvements. Um, I'm not seeing any improvement on the numbers for Cal Quantrill, but I am for Consulent. He he actually jumps from below average stuff to above average stuff in our newest model. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see more news on that to come. Yeah, hopefully for his sake, he's healthy here in the postseason as well. It'd be nice to see him turn things around after that last postseason run he had. That is going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. If you've got questions for a future episode, send them in. Might be a little while before we get to them just because chaos in the postseason. But Rates and Barrels at TheAthletic.com. You can find Eno on Twitter at Eno Saris. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. Schedule's a little bit wonky because it's the postseason as well we had a 3-0 show drop on monday we'll have another one go up on wednesday afternoon but usually we'll do an early week episode of rates and barrels most weeks here as we continue going through our position review series that's going to do it for us we're back with you next week thanks for listening (laughs) 